Hi, Patrick here, and today, language, culture, and hacking. Also, some great Glasgow slang that has absolutely nothing to do with hacking. But hacking first, and the key to hacking a computer, whether it's a U.S. government computer with a pathway to high-level secrets, or whether it's a home computer belonging to you or me, the key is to be invisible, to blend into the background, then sneak in when no one's paying attention. How do you do that? Well, I suppose it's the same way that human spies work, by, by looking and sounding local and friendly. The more you, the hacker, have the local culture down, the local language, the more effective you can be. It seems that Chinese hackers are the latest to put this to effective use. At least they're the ones being written up in the news media or being complained about by the Pentagon, as, as happened earlier this week. They, they released a report linking the Chinese military to cyber espionage of U.S. businesses and government sites. Well, whether these Chinese hackers, are, whether they're snooping on, on the New York Times or on the U.S. government, or whether they're just trying to rip off fellow Chinese citizens, they appear to be improving their, what should we call it? Let's use the marketing term. They are improving their localization skills. Here's the big show's Nina Porzuki on how hackers in China and elsewhere succeed when they go local. It happens to all of us. You get an email from a friend with a suspicious-looking link, you know you shouldn't open it, but the subject is just too enticing. It's something like, Wow, you won't believe what this guy is saying about you online. And it was an address. It was just a URL. That's the Chinese linguist David Moser. And yes, he clicked the link. Kablooey. <laughs> I, I had given away the game to, into cyberspace. And then people started saying, Are you being hacked? What's going on here? Moser was the victim of a phishing scam. When a hacker reels you in with a clever line and then hooks you with a link to click and download spyware onto your computer. Phishing is a part of how Chinese hackers get inside government computers. Or, if you remember back a few months ago, how they hacked into the New York Times. And according to the cybersecurity company Mandiant, hired to investigate the New York Times hacking, one important tool these hackers are now employing is good English. Moser says it's a sign of the times. We know there are at least 300 million people in China learning English right now. 300 million. That's the population of the United States. So, I mean, there's got to be lots and lots of people that are very good at simulating, you know, slangy English. It's true. These scams have gotten a lot more sophisticated, says Andrew Howard. You can't pull a fast one on Howard. I know a lot about phishing. Howard studies the effectiveness of phishing at the Georgia Tech Research Institute. He does it by writing his own phishing emails. He calls this ethical phishing, because he measures how many people will click on the link. You know, in my experience, even a really poorly crafted email, something that I wrote you know, very quickly, didn't take a lot of time to make sure that it was targeted who I was sending to, um, you know, we see click rates in the 20 to 25 percent rate wow. in a lot of organizations. I that's, mean, that is unbelievable, right? Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yes, even those ridiculously worded emails from your long-lost friend in Nigeria who has a bank account full of money to transfer to you, if you'll only release your account, yes, even those emails pay off. So imagine, says Howard, when you add better language skills to the mix. I've been using, you know, online translation services for a long time just to read the Internet, and those services have gotten better. So, I mean, that's part of the reason you see better written emails. But it goes beyond language. According to Peter Cassidy, who heads the Anti-Phishing Working Group, which monitors phishing scams around the world, 
the scammers are tapping into deep cultural mores. The culture matters. What will affect a culture will inform the stories that they try to tell. Which means that in Japan, for example, Cassidy says, what gets people to click is blackmail. In Japan, they have different kinds of blackmail where, you know, they'll send emails to people saying, we saw you looking at the bad things on the Internet. To keep wife in the dark, send 50 bucks. And what gets Americans? 72 hours before Katrina actually made landfall, the first Katrina phishing charity websites were established. And I think generosity is the, the calling card phishing attack for the Americans. So what about the country we are fixated on at the moment, China? Yes, there's evidence that Chinese are hacking U.S. corporations and government agencies. But the -the run-of-the-mill Chinese cyber scammer is not wasting their time using Google Translate on American consumers, but scamming in their native tongue. A lucrative venture, it seems, as more and more Chinese are buying and selling online. China's place has gotten rich very quickly, fantastically wealthy, almost overnight, like the past 10 or 15 years. They're relatively newly wealthy, their parents might not have had much in the way of technology, suddenly have an enormously powerful computer and the internet and everything that's out there, and oh boy, it's fun. Fun, that is, until, well, your computer gets infected, which, according to Cassidy, more than half of Chinese computers are already. That, he says, is just the price of prosperity. For The World, I'm Nina Porzuki. Okay, that's part one of our localization pod. Part two is where localization went to die, Glasgow. The accent and the slang that the rest of us can't really understand, but it works really great if you grew up there and you become a professional sports coach. Over to the big show's Marco Woman. One of the planet's most popular soccer teams has a new manager. Today, Manchester United announced who will succeed Sir Alex Ferguson, the legendary coach who announced his retirement this week after 26-plus years on the job. And like Ferguson, the new manager is a Scot from Glasgow. David Moyes is his name. Several Scottish managers have made their fortunes in England, leading big teams in the top-rated English Premier League. What's curious is how many of them are from working-class sections of Glasgow. Here's what the Manchester United manager David Moyes once had to say about growing up in his hometown. No, you had to look after yourself in Glasgow, and that didn't mean that you had to be the best fighter or anything. It just meant that you had to look after yourself, you know, whether that was you were sharp with your tongue or whether it meant that you were a good runner to run away from people or whether it meant that you know, you could handle yourself, but I think in Glasgow, uh, it's probably known as being gallus, I think, in Glasgow. You know, I think you had to have a bit of that about you. Being gallus? I need some translation here. Fortunately, Glaswegian comedian Janie Godley's on the line to help me out. Janie, what is being gallus all about? Being gallus is Glasgow. It's very much a Celtic word. It means having a lot of strength and being up there with the best. If you're gallus, you can face a crowd. You can you could face an execution with a smile. <laughs> strength, but not swagger, I assume. Well, I suppose swagger is another good way. But no, gallusness is actually having grit and determination. That That's what gallus means. And I suppose it's a bit of swagger mixed in. And is Moyes right? Is that what it takes to survive and thrive in Glasgow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got to remember uh, Ferguson, all the famous Glaswegian uh, soccer, as you call it, managers, 
We're all born into poverty, not privilege. And a sense of poverty makes you strive to prove your worth, especially from a Glaswegian. And Ferguson's driving force came from a determined streak to beat Liverpool. And, and it's a sense of tenacity that comes from poverty. Uh, and I know because I was born into abject poverty as well. And we have this thing where nothing but nobody and nowhere will get us down. I want to ask you about your own background in a sec, but I mean, what is going on here all over England? You've got soccer stars who speak little English from all over the globe. But when it comes to the managers of the teams, I mean, Scotland seems to dominate. What's up with that? I think what it is, is the Scots and the Glaswegians are very good at being patriarchal and they use mutual respect as a psychological tool of instilling family values. You never offend your parents, you just eternally disappoint them. So I think the Scottish managers set up their teams as a patriarchal family and they will defend and love their family and their family love them back to the bitter end. And that's very, very endemic of Scottish managers. But I mean, even if you're a a strong-handed father figure, I mean, how do the foreign players understand what the Scots are saying? Uh, No offense, I understand most of what you're saying. I (laughs) understand. Yeah, I understand that our accent, you know, is, is... can be difficult, but the accent is stunning, strong and decisive. Our Scottish accent and language is sung, spoken and quoted throughout the globe, whether it's you guys singing Old Lang Syne at the New Year or quoting Burns. But we have a great way of expressing ourselves if you don't get our accent. I mean, I did comedy in Cambridge, in Boston not long ago, and those guys loved it. And it's a Scottish thing where the foreign players... They, you've got to remember they're striving from, for themselves to be understood. But, you know, you just have to look at Alex Ferguson's face, Busby's face, Jock Steen, the whole lot of them. They can tell you what they mean by raising one eyebrow. It's a very Scottish thing. It's written all over our face. Uh, that would be quoting Burns, not buns like hot cross buns, right? No, Burns. <laughs> burns. <laughs> Don't get cakes in our national poet mixed up. You'll get some really nasty letters from people with one eyebrow raised. Yeah. Now, you uh, you grew up in a working class Glasgow neighborhood, as you said. Give, give us a, a sense of what that was like. I came from a very poverty-ridden family in the east end of Glasgow. You've got to remember, even in this present day, in the east end of Glasgow, the life expectancy is 55. In Fallujah, Iraq, it's 65. So I have relatives saving up to go to a war zone to get 10 years on their life. We come from a place where poverty was part and parcel of growing up, and nobody was rich. Everybody was pretty poor. Um, And as a comedian... It's a wonderful breeding ground. You know, you've got to remember the Scots were the first to go and fight the Spanish Civil War from Britain. And most of them came from poverty-ridden streets. They've got a deep sense of right. And and that's who we are. Our roots help us push ourselves into the future. So, uh, Janie, back to Manchester United. Uh, do you think David mm-hmm. Moyes has enough Glaswegian moxie to measure up to uh, Sir Alex Ferguson? I don't think anybody has the moxie to measure up to Ferguson. He was a one-off, a global leader in soccer. And as my wee daddy, who's 82, said today, he's done the best job in the world. It's time to take his shoes off, stick them in the Dumbarton River and have a wee paddle about. That's what he needs to do now. But he, he did the best. Nobody, you can't measure up to the man. But I think David Moyes is going to make a great manager. As the whole Premier League of England is flooded by my fellow Glaswegians, I'm very proud of them. If only comedy had had as many Scottish women in it as Scottish men in the Premier Hmm. League, I would be happier. Glaswegian comedian Janie Godley, great to speak with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. 
Okay, I'm now going to take off my shoes, stick them in the Charles River, the Dumbarton River's a little far away, and have a wee paddle about. Doesn't quite sound the same coming from me, eh? Not enough gallus. But the pod will be back in a few days, perhaps with a little less gallus about it than in this episode, but back nonetheless. See you on Facebook or on Twitter. My handle's Patrick Cox, P-A-T-R-I-C-O-X, or see you next time on the pod.